time, the whole thing was shadowing us, right behind us, right on the side of us. You could, you could kind of see the thing moving through the woods. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, and the whole night, this isn't a man. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Went to look forward, and there was a big black face. Squatch DTV, exploring the Bigfoot mystery each week with your hosts, veteran researcher, author, and TV personality, the Squatch Detective, Steve Culls, and from the Bigfoot Research Project of Kentucky, Chris Bennett. Sit back and buckle up as we bring you guests from around North America discussing the Bigfoot phenomena, but not without a few laughs, too. Here are your hosts, Steve and Chris. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch TV for today's date, December 26, 2021. I'm your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective Steve Coles, along with my co-host right down there, Mr. Chris Bennett. Hello, Chris. Hey, Steve, man. It's uh, springtime in Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> Here. I, I don't know. I don't. I didn't look at the temperatures today, but it, it felt like high 60s, maybe lower 70s the day after Christmas. Well, Christmas Day was the same way. It was really nice. Uh, Not me. I can't we believe a, it. You know, We had an ice storm yesterday. We had oh, an ice man, storm today, so freezing rain both days. Oh, no. Fun stuff, of course. Don't mention any weather to the guy down there, our guest today, Jay oh, yeah. Birch from Bigfoot Barbecue. Yeah, we're 50 miles from home. We're staying with uh, at least the week with our kids uh, here in Vancouver, Washington. So we're snowed out at the house, so at the house, at the motorhome. We, we drove up there today and got the awning down and got my uh, outdoor kitchen taken care of, and we put it into four-wheel low and pulled out Made it back down here. We got over a foot up there, and it's still snowing like crazy. So oh, wow. here we just have a blanket here in, in the in the city. So it's 
definitely uh, safer here. Had a better internet connection. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, boy, let's do the roll call, Chris, tonight. Uh, what? <laughs> I huh? guess uh, the chat is really hopping. It, it sure is. It's moving. Hi, guys. And, and uh, let's see. We got SoCal Squatch, OT, okay. OT. J Fritz, B Lynn. J B. Moving down. Nikki over at Harry Man Hoaxes and hey, Hoodwings. Nikki. Bob Lemley, Jay Bachochin wow. in the house. Hello, Jay. Hey, we found My Jay. eyes is on Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Uh, Grasshopper's in the house. Grasshopper. Leon from Bigfoot Okanagan is in hey, the house. Leon. John Ayers. Hey, John. Um, High Five Chaser in the house. Aaron Mollenkopf is in the house. Bigfoot Society. Aaron. The Tall Ones. Brent, hello. Bigfoot Society. Hey, Brent. David Parker. Lance Windsor. David. Uh, Arthur Watch is in the house. Brand? Who else? Arthur. Don Fuller. Hello, Don. Where's what's a day without Don? Hey, Don. Uh, yeah. We got Sue LLC nineteen sixty seven. Welcome to the show, Sue, Brian yeah. McMahon. Welcome. Hello, hello. And uh, let's see. Do we got anybody else that we missed? Uh, Mary Roller. Mary in the house. Hello, hey, Mary. Mary. Uncle Bones too. Uncle Bones and Angel Nolan in the house. Angel. We got quite the crew in Welcome. the in the. In the chat tonight, welcome yeah. one, welcome all. If it's the first Good time to see you guys. you're hey, on girl. the channel, please hit that subscribe. And folks, on your way out tonight, if you could just give us a thumbs up, leave us a comment later on, that all helps with our algorithm. So here we are. A um, couple of uh, announcements uh, we got going on. Chris, we got a lot going on with this channel. A lot. Um, where do I start? Oh man, I don't know. Uh, at the beginning, at the beginning, well, yeah. a long time ago. In the hello, the Warren Galaxy. RCG, oh, welcome, welcome. Batmom, too. A long, time, a long time ago, in the uh, oh, Batman, the Batman, Batman. hello. <laughs> you know, a long time ago in the fields of New Jersey. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, well, let's just do a quick announcement that starting tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. We are going to do a live stream, hopefully, for the whole week. And it's going to be the best of Squatch DTV. It's called Bigfoot 24-7. We've picked out six of uh, this year's best episodes, and we're just going to keep them rolling um, for the whole week. So if you missed them, check it out. And plus, we'll probably do an upload, too, this week as well. So you can always flip between the, the different things. It's So we, we got a lot of, lot of busy stuff going on. So yes. I had a lot of questions when Steve announced that uh, he was going to do the 24 seven show. And I was like, you know, Steve, I'm not that tough, but I can't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't stay up 24 seven. Can't, can't handle it for seven days, maybe two or three days, maybe. <laughs> but after about the fourth day, man, I start getting sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, yep. You'll, you'll be able to catch a show. One of our replays on the show on the channel anytime, yeah. uh, hopefully. This all works. The software should be working well. <laughs> and uh, Lockbeard's in the house. Lockbeard. Um, so uh, what else? Uh, well, yes. why don't we show our what we have planned for the next spring? Um, this is this is going to be a lot of fun. So here it is. I saw something. Across the road, thing was four steps 
Flash Route 9 and zipped right into here between these two kind of dead looking trees. Hot spot. Quick. To the left. Uh, directly in front of you. Yep, moving, moving. Where'd it go? Oh my lord, you guys hear that? That was a tree knock. Okay. <laughs> that was definitely a rock. We just have a rock thrown at us. That's what we have in store for 2022. So it should be a, a big, uh, big, big fun year. A lot of field yeah. work, a lot of doing remotes. When uh, you had the, the rock sound amplified, you can really tell that's coming from away from you guys and coming toward you guys. Yeah. You can hear it hitting as it gets closer and then yeah, and it fell probably within five feet of us. Oh. So it wasn't, uh, uh, it was either a very good shot trying to avoid us or a very bad shot trying to get us. <laughs> I guess I've got like a, the stereo headsets working now. So instead of mono, I couldn't hear that before. I, I can hear it now. Leon saw, Leon saw the video. He said, I'm scared. Someone hugged me. <laughs> And uh, we also got Joe in the house there at Western New York Bigfoot Investigation Group. Hey, and Joe. and uh, yeah. who else slid in, too, during the, uh, oh, uh, Pine Island Research. Jeff, he's in the house. Hey, Jeff. <clears throat> so anyway, let's let's get to it. Let's start talking to yes. Jay. Jay, so let's, first of all, you have this incredible channel on YouTube where you do a lot of barbecue and camping outdoor stuff. Um, you want to talk about your channel a little bit. Uh, first, though, uh, I just wanted to say I felt like a celebrity judge on uh, Dance Fever there for a while. <laughs> when are they going to talk to me? Uh, kidding. Uh, this just in, though, I did just get this weather report. Snowy with a chance of uh, porcupines climbing up trees to stay warm. <laughs> that just in, though, guys. So I don't Oh, know the porcupine that. returns. Ah, couldn't help myself. I just still love it. Uh, now what'd you ask me again? I'm sorry. I had to be funny for a second. No, that's okay. So, so <laughs> tell us about your channel. Uh, you know, how'd you get it started? You do a, this great cooking show and uh, talk a little bit about your channel. I started that about three years ago or actually more. Maybe I, I kind of was on Facebook first and then I went to YouTube and I was doing it all with a phone uh, with no help, it was awful. But uh, uh, I went probably two years without even a single subscriber. Uh, it was so disheartening to look at six months later, no views. You know, I, I just kept <clears throat> putting them out, you know, and doing the best I could. And uh, one morning I got up and there was two subscribers. And, uh, and then uh, I uh, started uh, meeting uh, these people. Uh, like Leon and uh, Daniela and uh, uh, 
you know, the, the people that are in, uh, uh, like Brent, I met Brent way before I met anybody. He actually, I don't remember exactly how we connected, but, uh, I don't even, remember. I think he contacted me or something, but, uh, uh, and that's, that's just because I think he'd heard me on Sasquatch Chronicles or something. All I know is that, uh, uh, Brent has been there like from, from like before anybody, Brent was there. And, and, uh, when I was really sick there a couple of years back, uh, or a year and a half ago, or whatever he was, he checked on me every day and stuff. And, and uh, but I was, uh, it wasn't until I got a little bit of uh, exposure actually that I, I started gaining just three months ago, maybe four months ago, I still had under a hundred subscribers. Uh, but I was grateful because I had gone off of YouTube again and went back to Facebook and then. Because uh, people were liking it on Facebook, but I didn't understand why they wouldn't just go to YouTube. And uh, so uh, we, my wife told me one day, you're getting too good at this to be putting this on Facebook. So, so I went back to YouTube. And uh, then uh, Pat Turner had a show one day. He was it was just a Saturday, I believe, in the morning. I was out cooking uh, a big meal. I, I always start in the morning when I'm cooking outside. If it's going to be a big meal, a big piece of meat, I mean, and uh, it was like coffee with Pat or something like that. So uh, he was talking about trying to get to a thousand subscribers. And I was like, heck, man, all I'm trying to do is get to a hundred. And all of a sudden someone in the chat said, well, then here we go, Jay. And uh, <laughs> within like a half an hour, I, I was up to like 130 subscribers just because of that one person. Uh, doing that. And now I'm just under five, literally just under five, just a couple months later. So I'm real happy about that. We're growing slow, but that's, that's good. Uh, well, let's, I, let's, let's all try to help Jay get to the magic 1000. We've got the link to his channel in the description on this video. So make sure after the show, check it out. You're not and, subscribed, subscribe. And, and do it for to the it. podcast listeners. And for our and podcast listeners. Just come on and sedge way over to uh, the YouTube channel and you can find it that way. And uh, here we are. So what is your, see, we're talking about my two favorite topics, Bigfoot and food. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm what they call a light eater. When it gets light out, I eat. Yep. So, um, so anyway, what, what is your favorite piece of meat to cook? If I can afford it, it's brisket. Uh, right now, it's on. I, it's way out of my yep. way, way, way out of my league. It's over two hundred dollars now, which is I can't understand that. But, um, but I my specialty is ribs, and I love ribs. I love both beef and pork ribs, and those are uh, <laughs> what I'm the best at. That is my absolute best. But I love. Um, challenge type of foods, uh, like casserole type of things when we're camping, those type of things, uh, mastered chicken. Uh, uh, gosh, when you ask favorite, it's hard to say because I, like I said, you know, it's uh, all a man does with a brisket is destroy them until you learn. And, and it's not something you learn just right away. It takes time. And I have destroyed quite a few briskets, still edible, but not melt in your mouth, you know, like they should be. But uh, I love tri-tip and chuck roasts. Uh, I have a water smoker that they call a WSM. And uh, I like to just take uh, 
I'll go and buy a, a cheap roast that's a big round type of like kind of a ball of beef. And uh, I'll uh, marinate that in uh, tomatoes. I'll crush up tomatoes and marinate it in tomatoes and pepper over overnight. And then uh, I'll put that on that WSM with smoke. And then you'll have your water pan underneath it. And now not only are you getting smoke, but you're getting steam. And you can take that awful piece of meat and you can make that uh, restaurant worthy uh, sandwich making style of beef. Uh, that's 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 something that I enjoy is that uh, that look of delight in someone's eyes when they take a bite uh, of something. That's why I always my go to is ribs. But uh, for uh, Curious Cryptid's wife this year, when we go back up and meet up again, I'm going to make a, a flat rock uh, uh, tri-tip for her. That's one of my specialties, too, is uh, I have a seasoned rock flat rock that uh, I pulled out of a fire pit up in the mountains, Mount St. Helens, and uh, I seasoned it up, cleaned it up, seasoned it up, and can make a killer three or four pound uh, tri-tip. And phew, you just haven't lived till you've had one. It's unbelievable cooking it like that. I just put, raise it up above a little bit of the, the rocks, and then I'll put coals underneath it from the fire. And that rock, and literally the meat, when you lay it on that rock, sizzles. It sizzles. And it's just, it's unbelievable. <laughs> It's so funny what? how the price of meat can be so expensive, and yet yeah. the cattle farmers are not making anything. You can't afford. I can't afford buying beef right now. It's it's horrible. So my eyes has my <laughs> eyes has a question for Jay. Are you a dry rub or wet rub person? Dry rub, baby, all the way. If you want flavor and you want all that stuff, it's dry rub. Go dry rub. And I got, uh, there's a, a store in uh, Minnesota, Brainerd, Minnesota, the Smokestack Barbecue Supply Store. My buddy Dakota Gregory works there and they've been sending me stuff to use and I've been using it. And uh, like, oh man, don't be afraid to season your, uh, your uh, ribs and make sure you take that uh, on the back of your ribs where the bone side, that, this flat bone. Take, you can just start that that membrane and grab it with a paper towel and peel that thing all the way off. That way, when you when you're done with your ribs, you'll be able to just have a slight tug. That's how you want your ribs. Now, my son makes pulled pork ribs. That's his specialty. He literally makes pulled pork from the ribs. That's a different kind of meat uh, than the than the shoulder, but it's still it's pulled pork. It's wonderful. Uh, oh, I can imagine because the shoulder tends to get a little stringy. Well, you're talking about your Boston butt. Uh, those types of things is what they usually make your pulled pork from. But he'll make it with ribs. And mm -hmm. uh, and uh, what I taught in my family is that uh, we always buy the spare rib because you get belly meat with the spare rib. And uh, it, you're, it's cheaper than buying actually the uh, the other cuts where they, they give you a, uh, a uh, what they call the uh, uh, those cuts of uh, – uh, like a North Carolina cut, South Carolina cuts, those types of things. Uh, I, I, I pretty much use the Texas style in barbecue. Uh, and that's uh, Texas. Is there any other way? <laughs> well, they don't put a whole lot of anything on their barbecue. They let the meat and the smoke do the talking. Uh, and, uh, and they'll pick the barbecue sauce special type of things. Yeah. Uh, that's And Texas, in Texas with beef, man, it's salt and pepper. Uh, so I use salt and pepper and, and garlic. Uh, so and I'll, I'll use special other things with 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 beef, but 
for good beef, it's just salt, pepper, and garlic, man. That's that's you're going to get a good barbecue. And another thing is, don't put your coals in there and then put your stuff right over the top of your coals. Put your coals way off to the side and then put your meat uh, where there's no coals as indirect heat. And I can cook anything on any barbecue. I've proven I can take a $10 barbecue that's a, a little dome thing about about maybe 12 inches high. And I can do a four pound, five pound chicken on it. Uh, smoke it. And I've done it. Uh, I, I just like to prove to people that you don't have to go out and buy the most expensive things to, to be successful barbecuing. Those guys in Texas and New Mexico, everyone, yeah. if you go to a barbecue cook-off, everyone has got their own sauce that they have mm -hmm. made. So, and uh, some of it you smell. Mm, smell a little and hello to Michael. <laughs> Michael's out there. Hey, Mike. And um, what else? Uh, Leon just said he gained 27 pounds. Just yeah. in the gym. <laughs> I wanted to join. Oh, I'm sorry I couldn't join you the other night. I, I was just barely getting my voice back. Uh, uh, I I pretty much lost it right at the tail end of my own show. And oh yeah, yeah, I I had the same thing happen. It's not completely a thousand percent yet. But I wanted. To, I really. They were having fun. I was watching them. They were having a blast. I was like, God dang it. That Molly, no. she is the funniest. <laughs> She's so much fun, man. So I, I got to tell you, you you're so. It's so true is that I've taken some 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 cheap meats here and there. And if you flavor them right and you cook them slowly enough and in the proper way, it, it it's it's pretty good. Not as good as the expensive meat, <laughs> never is, but but it it's uh it, it can flavor that I learned a long time ago that flavor is the way to go in my base and I I want a critique here. My base I usually use uh, on stuff is um, garlic, salt, pepper, and uh, onion powder, and occasionally I'll throw in some Italian seasoning on that. And that's generally my my go-to rub. And then I add other stuff in there like brown sugar or cayenne pepper, depending on what kind of flavor I'm shooting for. Yeah, you got to keep that some things a secret. You know, that's the yeah. thing is uh, we are working on a cookbook. And uh, right awesome. now for Christmas, I got a tailgaters cookbook and uh, gives me something new to uh, – some of the things that are in that cookbook I want to make at home uh, that guys will go to a game on the tailgate and they'll make all these wonderful foods. I want to do some of that kind of stuff at home too. And uh, so yeah, it was $5 and something for this nice thick cookbook. I was like, yeah, guess what? I picked it out though. So I already knew what she wrapped it. I was like, the kids are like, are you not even surprised? That's because I picked it out. <laughs> Jay says garlic. No wonder vampires stay away from you. <laughs> Well, that's the Italian. That's the Italian to me, you know. If, if something doesn't, you know, even our ice cream has garlic in it. For crying out loud, well, you know the uh, the history of barbecue as far as uh, the uh, the bad meats uh, were given to the slaves, and the slaves uh, were able to use a certain kinds of woods and stuff. They would take a brisket. the 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 slave masters never ate a brisket. Poor white people ate briskets, but. Uh, the slave owners and rich people, they never ate brisket. They never ate neck bone. They never ate um, ribs. It was always the prime cuts. Oh. And so the slaves and 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 uh, poor white folks were the ones that, that discovered to use smoke and flavoring of, of different smoke woods, you know, uh, fruit woods to uh, – uh, to tenderize these meats that uh, you could take a brisket 
and make that. That's the best tasting meat in the world. Is if somebody knows how to do a brisket, that's better than anything you'll ever eat. And uh, that's that's what they had to do because a lot of them didn't even have teeth, so they they had to make these things edible. So, what was the question for ribs? Don says, Jay, when I do ribs, the meat just falls apart. What am I doing wrong? You're uh, you're cooking them too long. That's honestly, if you uh, cook them for for uh, three hours on on a on about 270 degrees, smoke. Make sure they're being smoked for that three hours. Pull them off and dump some root beer on your aluminum foil or butcher's wrap. Lay your meat down, face down. Also, add another layer of seasoning, maybe some honey. Lay your lay your meat down, side down on that. Wrap it back up, but put it in there like that. Meat down. Do that for for an hour. Pull that off again, and then put it back on with only the smoke for an hour. And it should come off beautifully. It should be just that slight bite is all you'll have to do to have it. You should have separation from the bones. If you don't have separation from the bones, then you're not, it's not done enough. But if you have too much where you go to pick it up and the bones are falling off of it, then it's overdone. But it's still going to be good because you can make pulled pork out of it. That's uh, It's still going to be good. I love pulled pork. <laughs> now, I can't have it, but I love it. My eyes, my eyes said I dehydrated a bunch of. Hey, watch your language. Shoshito <laughs> <laughs> pepper, peppers and lemons. Oh, shoshito. I'm sorry. Pairing that with Brazilian hot peppers, creating my own rub. What's all about? Hmm. Spicy is good. Yes. I learned yeah. this from being married to a Thai woman. Spicy is good. Well, we eat uh, our onion rings. My wife makes great onion rings, and she makes a sriracha sauce. And we dip those onion rings in the sriracha sauce, and oh, man, I just love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Where were we 20 years ago without sriracha? I don't know. Where were we? That makes Where a good barbecue we? sauce, too. You mix that in with a few things, it really does. Sure does. Uh, this is well, killing boy. me. You know Talking what? about they, all the stuff I can't eat. The chat, the chat is popping alive today. <laughs> Tactical, um, I'll go with Angus over Wagyu anytime because Wagyu is is 50% fat, 50% meat. Um, and it's I'd rather I want to I want to I want to know that I'm eating beef. Uh that's like eating a, a butter to me. Uh I I'm not gonna say if someone offered me some Wagyu, of course I'm gonna eat it, but I'm I'm gonna take the Angus over anything. Uh definitely take the Angus because I want I want that that beef beef feeling that beef texture in my mouth not that that literally it's it's uh when you look at a steak of wagyu it's it's 50 percent fat and that's it's all lined that's how they raise that cattle and it's that is good beef i just i'm not a big fan of it uh, plus geez, gotta be a millionaire to eat it so and uh can't get anything good and we go hiking here in the house and he said damn i just had a snack came to watch you guys now i'm hungry again Good thing I'm hiking tomorrow. <laughs> now, now right. Joe said, Joe said it, Molly loves sriracha. I don't care for it. I got to tell you a little secret. Uh, and, and I, you talk about cheap meat. Sometimes I just want to cook a quick protein. Uh, so I like the can of corned beef hash. You put that in a frying pan, a little olive oil, let that fry up. But what I do is I add some sriracha to that. And you really don't get that sriracha flavor, but you get that garlic in the heat. And that really, really kicks it up a bit. So that's my little trick for 
corned beef. Or if you've got some of those little packets of hot taco sauce from Taco Bell, put them in there. (laughs) (laughs) Bison's good. I like bison too. David Parker's right. Bison is very good. Leaner, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a bison is not. they're, they they eat, they're they're grass fed so uh, it's that's a good it's good meat bison's real good meat. Now I've you- done elk, I've done deer, um, I've done all kinds of. I did an elk brisket and it was bad. It was awful. <coughs> oh. You can't cook that the same way you do beef. I was stupid. I tried it. <laughs> I should have done it a whole different way. <coughs> yeah, the wild goose is good Wild meats are hard to deal with. I know that. Uh, yeah, on to, oh, look, I had to do them uh, to get the, the wild flavors on the oh, thing. And, and look, Steve over there it says, prime rib and cooking for five hours just about to come out of the oven. Ooh, now, I'll take man. prime rib any day, okay? Now, I didn't say anything. I, I just, that's <sighs> out of my price range, so I don't even talk about prime rib, right? Oh, man. That is so good. Prime I'm rib. Sorry. Steve lives way over there on the west side. Dang it. I, Iron Dogger <laughs> says, I smell barbecue. Is it coming from here? Yes, it is. <laughs> and use Harissa for Okay. Venison ribs rock. So, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, just you can tell this crew loves food. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you know. Yeah. We have black tailed deer here. The, the ribs are like, uh, the size of your finger uh they're not they're basically uh dog and chicken food yeah well the same thing uh the white tail from kentucky there's not a lot of meat on their ribs they have this really chewy tendon thing <laughs> that's holding them together and there's not much meat and uh, i'm a rib now, guy like i said oh yeah, yeah ribs. but now they got some uh they got some uh back straps there that uh, tenderloin that Boy, you can't beat it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I got a. I, I bought last year uh, around the holiday season. There, we have a Fred Myers is a is a, is is a, one of our stores down here, and, and that's uh, uh, Walgreens actually. Mm. But uh, Fred Myers was Fred Myers first, but they had uh, uh, the prime rib ribs. Uh, they had cut the roast out of it, and so they had the ribs. And uh, those I got, I got like uh, seven pounds for 40 bucks, seven or eight pounds, which was a good deal because it was just full of that meat. You know, they just took that roast out of it. And oh my God, those were some ribs. Oh God. Yeah, those, that's some ribs, boy. <laughs> so, so now that we've talked for food for a half hour, I think it's time we talk a little bit about Bigfoot. Yeah. Wow. So Jay, you know, I understand you got, you had an incredible encounter. And no, I didn't. Or was it your? No, I, I've never seen a Bigfoot. Oh, okay. No, I'm kidding you. Right. Yes, you guys. <laughs> like, thanks. <laughs> no, I don't know why you guys asked me on. I just barked you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for scaring that shit let me start. Me. Let me start with my questions. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, is it true you live in the crater of Mount St. Helens? And if in so, is it still, still hot there? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> no, I actually live at the base of the the mountain. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So look at the area, folks. The base wow. of Mount St. Helens, dude. 
It's a beautiful little town called Cougar. That was the red zone. That was the last you could go when the mountain blew. You could go no further than Cougar on the on the west or on the on the south side there. I drove through that area in 2000 and I still felt uncomfortable. I really did. Yeah. I was because I saw the uh, the video of it like everybody else in the world. I saw the video of the explosion when this thing erupted on TV. And then, uh, you know, in 20, uh, in 2000, like, drive. oh, wow. <laughs> there well, used to be a mountain over there. <laughs> you and I, Chris, Chris and I were youngins when that thing blew. <laughs> Joe was probably in his 30s. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I was 18. <laughs> yeah. So let's, we'll talk about Bigfoot. Then I want to talk about Mount St. Helens, too. Um mm. That is, there's so much to talk to you about. Yeah. So let's let's hear about uh, the uh, start at the top about your Bigfoot encounter. All right. Kind of cool. <clears throat> you have to excuse my cough and. Oh, that's okay. There you. The way better used to me hacking and coughing and wheezing. Well, I don't like to go to the doctor anymore. You know, last time I went, I don't know what HD is, but he told me I had 80 of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> But, <laughs> Joe, Joe just said, "Hey!" <laughs> but uh, sorry about that. It just helps the helps the story go. So, what do you want to hear about first? Uh, I'm trying to keep this in the right order. I've seen uh, uh, when I was a boy, we lived in Yamhill, Oregon, on a uh, a 52 acre uh, homestead that uh, was seven miles up. You know, it was in Gaston, seven miles up a, a dirt and gravel road with clay and all that stuff. And then you pass the, uh, the uh, oh, what was it, the Gaston, the Gaston High School or the Gaston. I, I don't. I was a little boy at the time, but we, uh, we, you, we went up seven miles. You took a right, and we lived uh, down the end of this road a mile in that was also dirt, clay, and all that stuff. One way in, one way out. And it was actually hundreds of acres, but we were only renting 52. And I was just learning to walk again. I was around 10, 10 ish, 11. And I was uh, exercising, walking up back of the house, and the grass was really high, super high. And uh, it was probably, uh, you know, kind of where you could just reach out like this, you know, probably three and a half feet high and just, and rub with the grain on the top and all that. And so I was walking out and I was, I looked over the edge of the hill that went down and uh, there was uh, what I thought was a man standing down there. Uh, all I did was just see the, the head, the slick back black hair and uh, some kind of weird big ears, not pointed or anything, just kind of big ears. And I, it scared me. So I was like, Jesus, you know, I mean, who, who the hell would be up here? I'm just a kid, you know? So I walked, I, I walked back to the house and I told my mom, she got my stepdad at, out up and he went out there and saw nothing. But uh, there was a long walk down there. It'd it take you a little bit to get there. And uh, he, he simply just said, there's nothing down there. But we heard a lot of things as the, we grew up there hearing what we thought were people talking out there at night. We thought we had poachers up there. It didn't hit me till I was a full grown man that... Well, you would know if there was poachers out there because you'd have heard them drive, drive. There's no way in and no way out except through our gate. So uh, and then you would know a half a mile away was where our neighbor that would come in only on weekends 
uh, to uh, manage his cherry orchards. And uh, so, but, you know, we always thought that we were people out there poaching. You could hear, the, you know, talking and stuff like that. And uh, I remember my little brother or my big brother used to yell out there, you poachers go away. And, stuff. <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, we you could literally hear conversations and kind of a high voices type of stuff. But we had our horses. We had, gosh, five or six or seven horses uh, at one point. And they come, you could hear them coming. Like my, my stepdad got up and opened the door because you could hear them coming, just roaring thunder, you know, the, the hooves. And they busted through the through the electric fence and everything with all of them where their ears were down. So I don't know what was down there uh, to scare them like that. But because uh, I know that they had pretty much killed off most of the like coyotes and bears and things like that because uh, of the cattle that, that all the people had there and, and sheep. Lots of cattle and sheep up there in Yamhill at that time. So uh, I don't know what it could have been that spooked them like that. But even our dogs some nights would, would act up. Uh, we had lots Jay, of down there. But. Let me, let me before I forget, uh, let me jump in here. You said you'd, you'd heard like voices, like people talking. Was it like a normal voice or was it uh, like that high pitch, kind of like that samurai chatter deal on the those? Uh, no, it was, it's just high pitch, like a, uh, you could like uh, excited talking. Mm. I've never heard samurai chatter in my life. I've heard what sounds like your neighbors down the road talking or are laughing and and you know that type of stuff. That's what I've I've heard. Uh, I've heard um, um, whistling and and those types of things, but I've never heard that what the people call samurai chatter. Mo mo mostly what we've heard, my wife and I has been like when deaf people are sign languaging each other and they, they're doing right. That's what we hear. Uh, but as a kid up there, we heard, uh, we heard, you know, like literal uh, conversation type of stuff happening in the forest and there's no buddy near us. Okay. We had a mile walk to the bus stop. Uh, there was just, and if you wanted to poach out there, you could have poached anywhere you wanted, any place you wanted from Gaston on, uh, had the damn deer would walk in the streets. So yeah, you did, they, we only had one sheriff, one guy, one cop. So that's that's pretty much uh, you know you just don't think about that stuff when you're kids. But yeah, that's a that was a beautiful area up there. Uh, my one of the girls I grew up with, <clears throat> I was talking to her the other day uh, on Facebook. She was uh, in my uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade class, and uh, she was telling her dad was. Uh, a cop out there in Yamhill, and she was telling me that her dad had told her when when they were uh, young adults that he had seen one. Well, he you know he was a cop and he had seen one, and he was one of those guys. I remember him, Mister Burgess. He was not a you didn't mess with him. You gave him complete respect. So uh, that's pretty cool though. When she told me that, I was like, well, that's that's neat as heck, man. <laughs> but yeah, that's the first time in my life I ever thought uh, that I had. Uh, well, I, I thought it was a man, like I said, but that's the first time once I became an adult, I realized what that was down there because there's no way you could have got. Uh, we would walk down through the forest to our grandma's. You'd have to walk about two miles down a mountain, literally through the forest. And then we'd come on somebody's private property and then we'd have a two mile walk on a dirt road to get to my grandma's house to go swimming. And uh, that's that's, you know. 
And it was our uncle that taught us how to use that route. So uh, that's that's why I say nobody's going to – you're not going to walk like that to go poach something. It's just right. – and they're black-tailed deer, okay? They, they, a big buck weighs about 100 pounds uh, of just a straight-up blacktail. So without being mule deer in it or whitetail or anything like that, they're, they're not a very big deer. Tasty deer, but they're not a big deer. More likely with poachers, you would have heard a gunshot sooner or later, too. I do know Mitchell Townsend, Jay. I know him very well. I don't follow him anymore. <clears throat> and someone asked about learning to walk. I keep forgetting when I tell this. Uh, I had bone deterioration, bone disease as a child, and so uh, I wasn't able to walk. Uh, uh, I had uh, hip perthias, I think is what it's called. And so my, my left hip was deteriorated. I couldn't, I was on crutches and a brace and some other things. And then when I was nine, I got, I was the second person in the United States to get a, this particular surgery. I was uh, first person this side of Mississippi and it failed for me, but the other person and uh, people from that time on have, it just failed for me. Uh, my socket, the, the, the ball grew as an egg. So every time I take a step, it grinds. Oh. Uh, but the, I, we, we still didn't know that yet. Uh, I was learning to walk again uh, because they had cut an inch out of the bone and turned the socket around. And so they did a lot of experimental stuff on me. <laughs> I'm actually in a, in a book somewhere, uh, some medical journal somewhere. It was They came to the house and had a bunch of people there and wrote a big story about it. And they had a bunch of medical people at our place on that acreage that came in and, and got, you know, sat down with my mother and, and uh, talked about this whole thing. And I'm in some journal somewhere. So it didn't work though for me. So I, that's why my problem I'm having right now, uh, I don't get around as well as I'd like to. I go to work every day and all that stuff. But uh, like I, I was able to take Brent up to, to our, our spot. I'm more of a guy that's going to entertain your camp now. I can go a little bit here and there, but uh, after I got sick too, boy, I haven't been the same. So uh, that's, I'm still going to go. I'm going every chance I can get, but uh, I'm hoping to get this turned over to these younger guys and, uh, and Brent's a guy. So you can go so, just not as fast. Yeah, I just, I can do it. It's just, you got to have the patience. I can't keep up with anybody. I, I hate going shopping. My wife's got the prettiest long legs ever. And I, I cannot keep up with her. God. Even when she's pushing a cart, man, I'm like, geez, <laughs> slow down, man. <laughs> but after that, uh, didn't really think of much of anything. I had all the books and stuff because uh, I knew uh, I was I was always interested in that stuff. And then I uh, I uh, I worked with Will Jevening for probably a year before he ever said anything about Bigfoot. But uh, he needed a ride home one day, so. He just lived up the road from me, so I went ahead and gave him a ride home. We stopped at my house to get a have a couple of beers, and uh, then he starts telling me, you know, he had a secret. Oh, don't tell anybody, and that he's a a Bigfoot investigator. And I was like, sweet. So I, I went in, got my books and stuff, and of course he was, you know, one of them Renee DeHendon kind of guys. That one's junk. That was junk. That one's junk. That was everything is junk unless Renee DeHendon wrote it. And <laughs> yeah, I just I don't I don't fall for that. I will tell you though, if you want a fantastical, fantastical, 
crazy story. Get the Johnson Brothers book. That's the prelude to uh, 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 Ron Moorhead's first book. Uh, and that's you. I ended up couldn't read the whole thing. I was just like, this is I'd lay it down and then I'd, a week later I'd pick it up and try to read some more. And I'd be like, lay it down, pick it up, and try to read. That is so fantastical. It's just like uh, just too much for me. I, I can't talk about all the spirits and all the other things. And then I'm, I'm, we're supposed to take that shit serious. You know, I'm just like, uh, I couldn't do it. But all the other books, you know, I had Napier's book and, and all that stuff. But uh, we hung out for a couple of years, never saw anything, never found a track, never did nothing. We went to a different place every weekend. And uh, so I just like, I don't know, I, it just didn't work out. He's a real bossy guy anyway. I don't need, I, I got a boss at work. I don't need somebody to tell me on my days off what I'm going to do. So, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I don't know, my wife and I did a lot of camping. We uh, split off with Jevning. And the very weekend we split off with him was a, was a, the, the Labor Day, I believe it is, weekend. The last one of the year, summer, I mean. <coughs> we went into a place called the Devil's Backbone. And there was, uh, we found going down this, just down this road, in the middle of this road, these tracks that were heading up. We didn't find any heading down. We found them heading up uh, from the reservoir. And it said... Uh, it said, it was, uh, I'm on meds right now, guys. <clears throat> so oh, that's okay. <laughs> take your time. If you need a drink, take a drink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, these tracks were like four or five inches and they were 40 inches apart heading up. And uh, what made me nervous was I was just wondering as we we're looking at them, see the clothes, the toes clearly and all that stuff was where the heck's the mother at, you know, uh, I, I just had never seen anything like that. And enough weight at that small of a print to uh, to embed it in that gravelly clayish type of stuff that's down there by the reservoir. And uh, yeah, that, that freaked me off that weekend. But uh, uh, I was so more these were, these were smaller prints, Jay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Juvenile. Like baby. Um, um, a little bit squarer. Like up, up toward the front, like uh, under the toes, mm -hmm. and then it came down. Uh, um, seemed like that would make it easier to walk. That's the first thing that entered my mind. Was there? They got a lot more of a pad uh, under their toes. Yeah. Uh, well, at least for those for the little ones like that. That's all I can assume. I, I can't. I'm not an expert. I, all I know is they weren't any other kind of track that I would know of, uh, because of the bears that only that. Big and there's too many people in and around that area for I would think that a bear would uh seems to me like the Sasquatch like being around people when they're camping. You know what I mean? Uh not like in sight or anything like that, but it seems to me that curiosity gets them. But in that particular area, the devil's backbone, there weren't anything like bears or anything like that. <coughs> and there was plenty of uh opportunity in the clay part of it for this thing went up the middle. So that just, I don't know, I, that's bugged me forever. And then uh, uh, to leave that kind of a, you know, the depth, I mean, to, to leave, be able to leave a depth, because I was stomping in the ground back then. I was a fat bastard, too. I, 
I was like 249 pounds or some shit like that. I was a big hey. guy. Yeah. Uh, and I was trying to stomp that in and everything. And, uh, and I couldn't get just our print, just the boot print. So, well, Jay, you said were these, these were coming up from the reservoir. Yeah. Do you, do you think that it might have crossed somewhere there at the reservoir and, and come up on the bank on your side? I have no idea. Could have came know. even down off the upper embankment down. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, you know, we camped that whole weekend, never uh, never saw anything else or saw one deer out in there and everything. I even hunted that that following hunting season and uh, never saw anything. But uh, we do have wolverines uh, on Mount St. Helens. Uh, I actually, our dogs coon hunting. I was going to bring that up here in a little bit because uh, there's a question about wolverines. We do. They're not real plentiful, Sessa uh, Mountain Blue, but they're there. I used to carry everywhere I went, I have a, a North American animal tracking book, and it just shows you the tracks of every known animal in North America. So me and my buddy, uh, now this is several years later, we're, we're coon hunting, and uh, in the 90s, actually, late 90s, uh, and we, the dog, it's snowing and all that, dogs get on something. So we can't get, we can't get them to come back and all that, so we got out with the flashlights and all that, and we started looking and they got on a Wolverine because uh, uh, it, it was the because my, my buddy's going, I don't recognize that track. And I was like, I don't either. And he's like, get that book out. So I went out and got that book and we went through it. And there it was, it was they were on a Wolverine. Uh, they eventually came back. Uh, but uh, that was uh, that was kind of uh, I was thinking he did not want them getting on a Wolverine. Uh, Wolverines aren't afraid of dogs. <laughs> And so I, I was thinking that it was a cold track. You know what I mean? It was there already and long gone because they were, they, they were, they were gone a good hour before they came back. So, uh, but the next time uh, we saw, we were hunting in the Susan, which is from where I live is just a few miles away. You can't get in there anymore unless you have a key and all that stuff. And uh, we were on a, we thought we, we we pulled in there and we let the dogs go and they I didn't want to hunt there because I'd been camping there for years and years and years and I told him straight up that there are the only thing there ain't no coons in here the only thing they're in here is uh, bobcats cougars bears deer elk coyotes and and bigfoot and he's like bigfoot and uh, well they got caught up on something up in the up in the mountain and we. Uh, we hear a big yelp, and then uh, he was able to climb up. I couldn't climb up. I had my son with me, and I just told my son, because every once in a while you could hear something coming down. I told him, if a bear comes down here, because the only thing we had on us was a 22. I said, I want you in that water, and I want you to swim down there, and then I want you to get out. And uh, and I'll do what I can to keep this thing away from you. And uh, so pretty soon I hear Scott yelling from up there and he, he all of a sudden the dogs are coming down and, and Dixie or not Dixie. The other one he had, had, these are plot hounds had, a, she was visibly like not walking right. And she had a big dent right on her back hips, right in the middle of her hips, a big dent, like a, like a hammer smash came, came down like a hammer fist. Mm. And uh, we got them loaded up and we ended up going home and uh, he took her to the vet, and the vet told her, "Well, it looks like she may have been slapped by a cougar." And because mm -hmm. he said that he saw eyes, uh, but uh, 
he said he heard a growl too, and he just saw some eyes. That that was it. I haven't talked to Scott in years, but <clears throat> so anyway, I was like, bull of shit. A cougar is gonna think I have their claws out. You know, I was, that looked like right. a straight up hammer fist came down. She never hunted again. She never hunted again. She could never, they let her live her life out, but she never had puppies. She never, her back end was screwed up, literally screwed up. So, yeah, it seems to me if it had been a cougar that she would have had some uh, rake marks from the claws. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And you could see it was visible, visible mm. right in the middle of her two hips and the back mm. was smashed down. And that's well, the only thing a, I can say. I thought immediately that's a Sasquatch. There's a lot of encounters reported by coon hunters. You know, maybe they didn't get a sighting, but they heard a sound or they saw red eye shine or the dogs uh, came back cowering, you know, didn't, now, didn't want to hunt anymore. You have to understand the vet probably said the only thing I can think of is a cougar because, right. yeah, you know, because Bigfoot's not in his vocabulary. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Scott, it wasn't in Scott's either. It wasn't in. I wasn't with him when he took her in. But uh, all I can tell you is that she never hunted again, ever. I mean, and he was going to go ahead and put her out of her misery, and his wife refused to let him. Uh, so she just, she lived the rest of her life. She didn't live as long as her sister, Dixie. But, uh, you know, I mean. Because if you look at any predation manual, when a, when a, a cat, you know, paw you know especially with a hound and it's going after it that's their, their main means of taking something down is by getting behind them and you know actually grabbing onto them and well and, another and thing scott had, scott had brought up too while they were up there and you could hear he, he said they're scared uh, and you could hear my dog was in front of them i had a big walker male and uh it was like he was protecting them but you could hear he was talking about his two dogs were, he, he said, they're scared. That bark means they're afraid. That does usually mean a cougar because they'll still attack a cougar, but it's a different bark. And, uh, and our dogs were bad. They were bad. They should, they would, if, if they would get on something and chase it and they were supposed to be doing coons and coons only, you know, you own the South, some places in the South and they run deer with hounds and, here we we have to discipline them until they stop running hounds uh, or running uh, deer and elk deer, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Elk will kill a damn hound dog. They'll stomp them to death. But yeah. uh, oh, they beat so, a dog to death here if it runs a deer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bad, I know, but it, it, it's true. My thing is, the following year we were in the Yakult Burn. It was. Uh, I've never seen fog like that until we moved to Cougar. There are some mornings I got to creep and crawl to work. I mean, the fog is just like you cannot see. That's it. You cannot see. And so we're out here stupid drinking, of course. Uh, we're both young. Uh, <clears throat> got the uh, got the hounds out. It's, it had snowed and snowed and snowed. Then it rained. And then it created some kind of a pocket to where the 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 the, uh, the fog was so super thick that we were crawling through there. So we put glow sticks on our hound dogs, and uh, they were we always you always put them either on the hood or on the top of your truck until they win something, and then once they start barking, you let them go, or you let them on the ground and they'll you you put along and they'll run in front of your truck with their noses on the ground. 
and it's a beautiful sound when they start making that noise. But uh, they got way ahead of us at one point, chasing here all through the top. You could see them going through the top of this ridge and they're coming down. So we drove for several miles with, and every once in a while we'd stop and listen and, and uh, we'd just kind of keep going slow. And then we'd come around a corner and there they were, all three of them, because the other one didn't hunt anymore. And uh, they were uh, just like milling around. And he's like, I wonder what they're doing. Because you can see the glow sticks on their collars hanging down. They were about six inch long glow sticks. They were military glow sticks. Uh, his wife got them for us. And uh, so they, uh, we could see just the glow sticks. So we're about 20 yards away or so. Uh, watching them and we got out of the truck and we both smoked and everything. You know, I don't smoke anymore. I haven't smoked in four years. And uh, so we got out and I had that million candlelight power uh, spotlight and I'm standing in the bed of the truck and he's just standing out there watching them. He goes, I wonder what it is. They're just walking around like everything's great. So I'm, I'm, I've got the spotlight on and all you can see is their eyes and the glow sticks. You can see no form, no nothing. That's, that's that fog was so thick. So then I, I was looking around, raising it around, doing this number, and then all of a sudden, just boom, eyes, and right there, eyes, about, you know, seven or eight feet in the air, eyes, and and I was like, he's like, what? He, he looks at me. <clears throat> he's the only person to ever called me Jay at that time. He's like, Jay, what is that? And I was like, oh, I don't know. It's, it's an elk, I guess, and he goes, an elk would be stomping those dogs to death, and plus, they'd be barking at it. They're not barking. They weren't, they were just walking around, sniffing it and everyone, and it stayed looking at us and it was blinking. It was uh, uh, like a, a burnt oranges, red eyes type of uh, uh, closer together, like, like ours are, you know. My next question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the first thing he said is besides that, the eyes are too close together and it's blinking. So then uh, one of the dogs goes up and, and literally puts it, gets up on it like this, like it would a, a human. And uh, the thing looks down at it and uh, looked back at us. And uh, the dog got back down and they just, they'd walk, you know, like if it was a, uh, if it was an elk, they'd have walked underneath it and all that. They were milling all around it. And it, it they weren't upset and it wasn't upset. Uh, we, we, we watched this for 15 minutes and we had a, <laughs> both had high, high powered ruffles, but didn't even think about anything like that. You know, we, uh, he also added in the day it was a miniature video recorder, and uh, uh, we never even thought of that either. All we'd have gotten was the eyes, though. Uh, so, uh, but he he kept asking me, "Is that a Sasquatch? Is that a Sasquatch?" And I kept making up excuses. I was like, "Nah," because I did. I just couldn't figure out. I, from everything I'd ever heard, is the uh, you know they'll kill your dogs and all this other stuff, and and uh, it was quite calm, and the dogs were quite calm. So. But eventually it just, you could see that it turned its head and then I never caught eye shine again. So Jay, what kind, what kind of dogs were these again? Uh, we had two bloodhounds and two walkers. Bloodhound. And what, what did the walkers look like? They're uh, like Fox and the Hound. They're uh, the, the big uh, uh, orange, black and white. Uh, They're kind of floppy-eared? Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's, that, that's one of the things I think the reason why, again, hypotheses time is the reason why Sasquatch are, are aggressive towards certain dogs is because if you think of a German Shepherd or a Husky, their ears are up. They look like wolves. 
they have that profile of a wolf. Uh, whereas, you know, a bloodhound, obviously, it, you know, the walkers, they have big, big floppy ears. And uh, they're not seeing that as a wolf or a, preda- a predator like a coyote or a wolf would be. So that's my thoughts on that, too. Well, you know, one of the things, one of my hypotheses is that tells me that they might be uh, some kind of a, of a man, uh, not not like a homo sapien sapien, but uh, uh, somebody in the family tree, some, some sort of a humanoid or hominid. I guess is the best way to put it is hound dogs don't bark at humans. Okay. Trained go out after uh, bears and cougars and, and all that. They do not bark at human beings at all. They, they, uh, you have to train like a bloodhound. That's a whole different breed of, of hound. Uh, Coon dogs are a whole different story. They don't bark at human beings. Uh, They don't do tricks for you and all that stuff. Uh, it's uh, that's why I was thinking to myself because my dog would do the same thing. Uh, Bart would get right up on you. He, that was his thing, and I only allowed him to do that if he hunted all night. If he hunted all night, he could. I'd give him the big loves and hugs, and he could spend the night in the house. And he usually slept with me and my wife in the house, and he would sleep all day. He would literally sleep for almost twenty-four hours uh, after a night's hunt. Uh, them dogs run for. <laughs> Sometimes 50 miles a night, they'll hunt for you. Uh, sometimes they'll even go overnight. So uh, I always rewarded my dogs with with the come in the house and some kind of special treat from the fridge, you know, type of thing. And and so uh, I know. And, and know, after hearing your cooking, uh, there's no doubt there are special <laughs> treats in the fridge. You should have seen me trying to learn how to make gravy. I remember I, I misread the, the box and I used a. Uh, Baking powder. I thought it was cornstarch. Oh, oh, geez. I made this beautiful gravy and I put it over my potatoes. Oh, oh my God. It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. It's just stupid. But yeah. Uh, and that was uh, until we actually encountered and actually saw the female. Uh, that's that's as close as I'd ever come to literally because, you know, back in the day, I, I admit I, I poached deer. I, I uh, never poached an elk, but I spotlighted deer and uh, things like that. And those things, and I've spotlighted elk, but I never tried to kill them. They don't blink their eyes and they don't have red eyes. Uh, raccoons do, uh, but they don't have, the, uh, the, the deer have the yellowish, sometimes a yellowish tint of green. Cats have green. You always know a cat as soon as you see the greenish uh, house cats, especially uh, you see that greenish. So <clears throat> that's how we were able to identify uh, one night. We were able to get on some coons just because about a quarter mile out with a million power uh, candlelight, we, we saw red eyes on the ground and there was like uh, four sets of them. And uh, so we turned the dog loose, the dogs loose. And sure enough, we got them. Uh, and so that's a, uh, you learn the, uh, di- the difference in eye shine and things like that. And sometimes the, the, uh, the power of light you have will, will also define what kind of light you're going to get from eyes when you're out there in the forest. Mm-hmm. I don't like to see any eyes. Uh, now, now mind you folks, mind, mind you folks out there, that this is the PNW. This is Bigfoot central for the United States. So it's got the most concentration of Bigfoot sightings and encounters throughout you know modern history so 
not a surprise to me that you would being a being an outdoorsman to have so many run-ins over time. So, well, I, I, uh, so it finally, you know, her mom got sick, her dad passed away and her mom got sick. And so we had, my wife became her caregiver. So we did not have time anymore or the money. <clears throat> my wife ended up getting laid off and I got laid off at the same time. It just, the whole world came crashing down at one point back there right about 2004. And, uh, so we, we hadn't been back in the forest until 2016 because we took, you know, Bigfoot's the last thing. I, oh, we don't, we're family. You know, our kids mean I wanted to be a dad and, 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 you know, take care of her mom and all that stuff. So, uh, we, we didn't camp for, uh, 10, 12 years, somewhere in there. <clears throat> and, uh, you were adulting. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I think 2000. See, the last time we went was when Melissa was. So it was like 99, I guess. It was the last time we actually went camping. Um, so we moved up on the 2000 was the last. I only know this because we bought a trailer, too. So that's why I'm trying to think. When did we get to? We moved, we moved here and we got the trailer. And then we went one more time. So 2000 was the last year we went camping. <laughs> And that was in the Susan, which you can't get there anymore. And that's that is a spooky, scary. Uh, all them years we'd gone to the Susan, the Sasquatch wait till the sun goes down, and then they're on the other side of the of this. They call it Rain Creek, and you can take anybody up there and sit down at your fire. Uh, that's the one thing I didn't have a problem with. And then once it got nighttime, uh, they'd start throwing big big rocks into the, and all you hear is boom. <laughs> like that name do this for hours and uh so one time we have my nephew up there and he's native american and he tells me he says uncle i said yeah he says uh why don't you take that flashlight and go over there and and see what they're doing i said well because they're doing just fine i said yeah, <laughs> over there you know i was a young man back then but uh uh yeah i just uh, back then you know i thought they were apes and you know, and I was following that stream of, oh, they're your furry forest friend. And, and uh, you know, you got nothing to fear and all that. But that was definitely them throwing the rocks. And sometimes, like, just before the boys and I would be fishing. And uh, if you turned your back and, like, we're all getting our stuff gathered up to head to camp. And and all of a sudden you hear this, like that. You turn around and you're like, son of a bitch. Where are you, man? It, that, that, that was fun times, you know, but I wasn't afraid back then. Never had a, you know, they never, as far as I know, came into our camp. But uh, uh, I know that my brother was telling me when Joshua was born, he's 31 or 32 now, my youngest son, that uh, we, we had gone camping. We took our boys camping from the time they were, uh, you know, as quickly as we could do it. And so he was still a, a baby breastfeeding. And my brother was in a separate tent and he said he got up in the morning and there was something black shaped almost like a bear, but really small, just sitting outside your tent looking and listening because Joshua had been cooing most of the night and everything. And I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know what that could have been. There was no tracks or anything, but he, he said it looked to him. He said he's peeing and he just goes, what the hell he looks and said it was the size of a, just a little bear sitting there and didn't have a care in the world that my brother was out there peeing. So uh, uh, that's just, I don't bring that up a lot because it's just, you know, I don't know what it could have been. 
Uh, we've seen a lot of things up there in the Susan. Uh, heard a lot of noises and things throughout the years. So that's why I told my friend that when we went coon hunting up there, I told him there are no raccoons up here, man. I've been camping up here for 20 years. There's no can't there ain't no damn raccoons up here. But he's one of them guys. He's from New York, actually. Scott's from New York. And and uh he, he told me one day when I was like, Well, how the hell did you coon hunt in New York? He goes, He said, Jay, the worst rednecks hillbillies in the world come from New York. He said, you all think that that's just the, the city New York. He's like, well, yeah, he, he was a whitetail hunter. Yep. And it took, him, took him five years to get a blacktail deer when he got here because they don't act the same. You could practically step on a blacktail before they'll move. Uh, you step right on them. They're like, oh, shit, scared the crap out of you. So, but yeah, that's uh I don't know what that was that night and all that, but I actually ran into a camper in there back when we were still young. And he's like, uh, how come you guys don't bring weapons up here when you're camping? And I was like, I don't see any need to. And he's like, you're a fool. He said, that's what he told me. He says, you got a baby in there and you ain't got nothing. You're a fool. This is the Susan. So I don't know if Susan's got some kind of a reputation. Well, Mount St. Helens itself is Spirit Mountain, and it's not spirit meaning great place to go for spirituality. It's the mountain of evil spirits. So uh, I, I love it. That's my home. I, that's I love Mount St. Helens. And right now with the snow, it's just incredibly beautiful. Gorgeous, in fact. Dangerous, but well, Jay, Have you ever heard any uh, vocalizations at night, like a some sort of scream or something off in the distance or anything like that. I well, mean, my I, wife, I my wife one time said, "Get in there and eat." No, I'm not from a Sasquatch. <laughs> no. uh, when we were, uh, scream. Well, yeah, when I was, when I was, uh, when they had me in the tent all night doing that, uh, they were humming, making some kind of a humming noise all night, and about. No, I don't know, 5.45 in the morning, I'm pretty sure it was. It let out a scream, and uh, <clears throat> it was a long scream, too. And it, But it wasn't just one scream. It, it was like a, a ooh, 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 like that, because it was breathing in, breathing out, and getting louder and louder with each one. Then it went into a long scream and ended with a hua. And, uh, but it was a real high-pitched hua. Like, um, and that's, that's other than the talking. <clears throat> And there's one back there, the female that I saw. Uh, local people that I have run into and, and have talked to, uh, not so much even local people, but people that have been up there and experienced this, call her the screamer. And I believe that she's the uh, the mother of them all, not, not like a wife or something like that. I believe she's the matriarch. <clears throat> the big red one I saw that was just standing behind a tree, I think he's like the dad, the, the – uh, <clears throat> he just stood there. That's all he did. He just stood there. So I didn't see him. He was behind the tree. All I saw was his shoulders and his arms come down and the outsides of his legs. And uh, I went and looked for wood because I was too scared to stand there any longer. <coughs> too much. <laughs> That's serious, though. That, I just didn't know what to think. It was a bad night. It was a real rough night for me. <clears throat> I think that's the best policy. Just act like you didn't even see him. Don't even know I did that when they were stomping and all that, and they were just like right on the other side of the creek. I just acted like nothing. I just put my head down immediately and tried to think of what I could do and not panic. Um, 
because my heart wanted to beat right out of my chest. I knew what was what it was. So I pulled out my revolver <laughs> and it was just a little pea shooting thing, a, th a 32 bulldog. And that's just a 32 Magnum and it gives you the same power as a 38 terrible gun. Not, not for being outdoors. That's a man killer. <clears throat> and, uh, I held that up and so it could be seen and I laid it on the table next to me and then I held out my knife, my big bluey knife, <coughs> did the same. And uh, I thought that would help, but it didn't. Uh, they came back. So I moved over to our tent, which was quite a ways away and sat there for a bit. And I decided, well, things have calmed down, it seems like. So I went back over there and ah, they started taking steps and stuff. So I just decided to screw it. I had no way in or no way out. Uh, I could walk out if I wanted to, uh, but I would have had <laughs> been pretty vulnerable. The only people that were there, it was a holiday weekend, but it was Thursday. I, it wasn't Friday. It was Thursday. Our company mm. let us out early because we had a lack of, of uh, a lack of work. So, sure. but in the higher camps, there were people higher than us. There were people. Um, the earlier you go, the best you're going to do for camps. And so we were in this one for the first time. And so there was nobody could, that could help me anywhere. <clears throat> so I just decided to uh, build the fire up as high as I could, and uh, yeah, which was at a dangerous level. But uh, I, altogether, I put seven bundles of wood on it. Now, each bundle had like five and a half pieces or, you know, you always have that one in the middle that's half the size of all the rest when they bundle it up. And I had seven of those on the fire <clears throat> a lot of energy coming off that fire and it was tall too that's when i learned that they're not afraid of fire it didn't bug them a bit mm. so uh i just stayed in the tent and uh took the lantern over there well i sat there until almost dark <clears throat> and uh put the lantern uh made the lamp turn the lantern on there was only half a thing of, of lantern fuel because we hadn't camped it so long <laughs> <laughs> Our supplies were really limited. She was going to come up with all that great stuff the next day. So, well, now now that you know that they're out there, does that change your outlook on camping? Any, I mean, would you feel comfortable going unarmed, or do you pretty much go packing every time you go now? I go packing every time. Uh, I I just think you'd be a fool not to. Uh, and I don't, you know, I just. They were pretty aggressive that weekend, but I know also that they had a child with them. And right. if they wanted to hurt me, they could have. In fact, I would have been in one of those books if they really wanted to. Right. So, uh, but it's it's enough that uh, we do pack, but I don't go out arrogantly with it. I just have it there available and ready to go. Right. Uh, I just, uh, and you know, I, I, I look at the woods differently now. Uh, when reality, you know, uh, when, uh, fantasy becomes reality and you realize that you've been sharing the forest with these things for forever, right. uh, then uh, it changes your whole outlook. I had really I had to struggle with this for a very long time. I've just recently gotten well uh, and able to talk about it uh, to, to the point where it's not affecting me the following day or a week later or something like that. It, it was a, uh, I, it just was really hard on me because, you know, the, the month later, uh, my wife and I got chased by one. And it's because I was doing the same scream it did to me the month previous. And 
and I was doing it over and over and louder and louder and half of it and then partial parts of it and then going as much as my voice could push it and it came right across the river after us uh, or the uh the, well, let's uh, let's start let, let's talk about that that particular encounter so people will get a frame of reference well let me tell you that I did uh, on that weekend that that all that was happening and uh uh there was a, I tell you, the raven had gone around our camp three times. And on the third time, each time he'd stop over this one little area just to the left of us. And on the third time he did it and he started doing this thing. And all of a sudden, straight from the ground goes, ooh, ooh, like that. He took off flying. And my wife and I are looking at each other. And I was like, geez, it was like 25 feet away. <clears throat> so I believe that it was telling on. Tell, you know, like, what are you doing down there type of thing? And uh, that's just how we got it. I mean, they obviously, they knew each other. Otherwise, why would he do that? Uh, the, 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 the raven, I mean. <clears throat> but, uh, and then I saw the female later that day while I was standing there peeing. Uh, looking across there, she came walking directly down. She's looking at me and I'm looking at her. And uh, she's too far away for me to give you detail on the face, but... Uh, her face was Caucasian and I thought she was a bigger woman wearing uh, layered clothes and, you know, with a hoodie, but her face was Caucasian and she was looking down as she walked. And then she would look at me and look down, you know, watching her footsteps. And I just kept telling my wife, she knows I'm peeing. This lady's coming right for us. And she knows I'm peeing. You know, I was really embarrassed and I was wearing a bright red hoodie. So you could definitely see me. <laughs> but uh, right as my wife gets up to take a look, uh, she takes an abrupt left, just like a military left, right into the forest. The the Sasquatch, you know, it wasn't a woman. It was, she might you know, have been looking for a date for the prom. Yeah, <laughs> I think she was trying to distract us so her kid could get back over that creek, messing around in our camp, the lower part of our camp. But she was like sparkling, and I don't mean like like uh, Doctor Johnson sparkling. I'm talking about. <clears throat> uh, she was like, I was seeing sparkles of purple and, and pink and things like that. And uh, that's because she was covered in lichen and the lichen was wet. And then uh, now the sun was shining real bright. And so it was reflecting from the lichen. That's what lichen does. If, if you have it where you're at, you, you take the lichen and hold it in the sun and move it and you'll get purple and pink and, and bluish type of colors and everything. So she'd either use that for camouflage or I don't know what, what else, but, uh, and then they whooped directly at us about another hour and a half later <clears throat> from on that other side of the creek. I took Brent Dill up there. So then we decided it took us a month to go back up there. <clears throat> and uh, so we went up. My wife made them some uh, some berry, uh, wild berry muffins, no sugar. And I don't believe in taking any animal in the forest sugar. Uh, Get, get apples and and uh, pears and, and we pick them usually to take up there, <clears throat> and uh, so we took those up there, and we're walking way back in the back across that creek, and uh, we started uh, hearing tapping, and uh, it was uh, now this is October, okay, uh, October seventh I believe, and uh, you just start hearing this. this like that in front of us. So we stop and then behind us, you hear this 
And then to the side, you hear this. And then it just went back to the front and then back behind us. And we're like, that's they're, that's language. They're, they're talking to each other right now. That's some kind of, they're doing, they know what they're doing with this tapping thing. So we decided, and then we started smelling uh, like a bad kitchen garbage type of, uh, that's the first time I'd ever smelled one. It had to be because I've never smelled that before. <clears throat> and we uh, we uh, decided to head back to camp. Didn't want to start getting eerie as heck out there. So we uh, we walked back to camp and we brought chicken dinner. Uh, stopped at Safeway on the way up, bought some chicken and uh, <coughs> some some uh, beers and some pop <coughs> and. Uh, so we're sitting there eating, and I decide I'm going to start doing them calls. It's just before dark. I mean, literally just before dark. <clears throat> and I started imitating that call. And uh, on about the fifth time, when I really let it go, uh, I hear this crash. And I just turned to my wife, and I said, did you? And as I got did you out, it, the rest of it came through as I was trying to say, hear that. And uh she was up, she had her legs all with a blanket, you know, in the chair with the fire and all that and enjoying a piece of chicken. And we got, and we had to, we were racing to the car and, uh, she, she, uh, she dropped the keys. Oh, geez. Right now. Well, right outside the door. Okay. We're going to, we're not going to make more of this than it is. She, she, but she made this little voice thing that I thought he had her, you know, and that's what bugged me for all them years. I'd get to that point and I'd be like, er, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm better now. I, I know how to do this. So, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I'm on my side of the car. She's on the driver, but poor baby was, you know, wrapped in that blanket. It's all wrapped around her legs. Her hand is inside her, her chair. She has, she has a huge lawn chair with a pocket. Well, that's where the keys were. And uh, <clears throat> so we get in the, the car and uh, we're, we're both just breathing heavy and everything. And I said, you going to start this son of a bitch? That, that was my exact word. <laughs> and she says, she looks at me, she goes, I can't, I dropped the keys. And I was like, what? And she goes, they're right here. Though. She opens the door. She just reached right directly down and picked them up. But I was like, so she starts the car and we're looking. And I had this, uh, it's like a GoPro, but it's uh it's a knockoff of some kind. It's tubular shape. You can go underwater with it and everything. Cascade Bigfoot used to carry one on the side of his. It's a tubular shape thing. <clears throat> but uh, I didn't know it was upside down. I didn't know that you you would work uh, that it, that kind of shit. So I've got I've got it out looking like this and everything. You know, while I'm in the in the car. So we're just looking at each other, and and she's like, because we just these chairs are brand new. I bought mine on the way up there. So she says, you want to. Uh, you want to go home or do you want to get these chairs? And kept looking back, <laughs> looking back there and I said, well, roll down your window. She's like, I'm not rolling my window down. So <laughs> I said, well, uh, uh, she says, we can throw them in the back. And I was like, all right, let's do it as fast as we can. So as she's backing up, I'm looking and that right, it's right there, 10 feet away, the patch of woods. And I see this particular tree that's got a little bit of white bark as it's, it's a little white and dark, white dark coming down. <clears throat> and it just goes dark. And then like, like, like eight feet high, dark. And then moving like 
like a, like an ice skater, you know, but it was just like this blur and uh, uh, like smoke on ice or something. It was just unbelievable. And uh, <clears throat> to make that kind of noise, but, but it just was so smooth. And, and so we've just backed up and all of a sudden I see the trunk open and I was like, I thought we we're going to throw them in the back. She goes, we are. Well, I thought she meant the back seat, man. That been so much quicker. And uh, so anyway, we, we get out. I still got that thing on. And uh, I, uh, she gets her chair in and then mine, I, you can see, I still got that thing and I got it in my hand like this. And I didn't even know I was filming myself, but I'm reaching out for my chair and I'm using my finger. I'm literally got a hold of the car and I'm, I'm reaching my fingers far as it'll go. And I'm doing this tick, tick on my chair and I finally get it to move an inch and I'm able to hook it with my finger. My water falls off it and everything. And, and uh, so then we pull it and I, I can't get it to, to uh, unfold. And I was like, what, what do I do with this? And she's like, pull up on it. And so it's one of those new Coleman chairs that couldn't just fold out like a chair. No, it had to go some other oddball. Well, we got it done though. And uh, put, put the chairs in the back. And uh, so she's got this quarter bottle of water and the fire's nice and high. And she's like dumping the water. And I said, what are you doing? She goes, we can't leave the fire. I go, well, you're not going to put it on with that. It's like, let's just go. So we, we get in the car. <laughs> we drive. Poor baby. We get in the car and her, her uh, that whole time, man, her purse was uh, tangled around her damn feet, her legs and everything. And we pulled to the end of that road. <clears throat> I just kept looking in my rearview mirror and stuff. And I was just like, <sighs> so we get to the end and we just start both of us coughing and <clears throat> laughing. We're kind of having one of those fits uh i don't know what you call them uh, uh when you get like too excited and too upset uh anxiety attack type of thing yeah because we were we we're laughing and we weren't laughing like it was funny we we're like just this ridiculous uncontrollable laugh and uh coughing just ridiculous coughing and uh we're just like we sat there for a minute at the end of that before we got on the main road and we're just kept back and forth through each other, just going, oh, my God. Just, I can't believe this. But uh, we ended up, I <clears throat> said, so let's just go home. <clears throat> and uh, it was uh, got 50 miles home. Uh, and it was a dark ride. We didn't, it's funny as we were trying to figure out how are we going to talk about this? You know, it was weird. We talked about this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny to this day. It's five years later. We talk about it. It's part of our conversation at least <clears throat> two or three times a week and sometimes every day. Still trying to put it together <clears throat> and, you know, still learning from what happened to us and everything. But, yeah, it's it's hard. You know, what what, what we came out of that with was no place to go. You know, nobody to talk to. No, nobody showed <laughs> Nobody cared, you know. So I uh, I sent Cliff Brockman an email. I sent uh, – uh, Dr. Melderman email. Um, uh, I never heard back from them at all, but uh, I sent, uh, I, my wife found a episode of uh, Sasquatch Chronicles on YouTube. He was being pirated pretty heavy at that time. So I, I, I told her, I said, you know, I think I'm going to give this guy up, give this guy a shout and see if he can help us. And uh, well, he actually called me back the next day and I, I did his show, but I did his show. It doesn't sound like me or nothing. I was in a bad state. 
I dropped my coffee multiple times. Anytime I heard a noise, I was really on pins and needles for a long time. Uh, it, it was uh, very shocking. Uh, even uh, I couldn't go in. <laughs> I didn't go in our backyard to the very back of our yard because there was a big tree there with uh, blackberry bushes <clears throat> until we got our German shepherd. I just, it bugged me. And I was so afraid. I was uh, at work. I work in Salmon Creek. There's down out by where we <clears throat> take our lunch and back where we used to, be, used to smoke at. There's a big tree there, too. And uh, if I was the only one that came out, I'd just stand at the door until someone else came out. And then I'd go out. That affected me like that pretty bad, actually. Uh, <clears throat> I, I forget about that sometimes. I don't always talk about it. But there was just, you know, a few people listened and were astounded. But most of the people didn't. They're just like, well, what were you smoking? Or what kind of pills were you taking? Blah, blah. Just yeah. same little shit you always kind of hear, you know. And uh, <clears throat> I went through crying fits and uh, uh, sleepless nights. And I still have to take medication. I tried uh, a couple times last week. And uh, I can't sleep past about 1 o'clock in the morning. So uh, most of the time I'm up before midnight. And then that's it. <clears throat> I can't sleep the rest of the night. That's a, that's affecting my sleeping probably for the rest of my life because it's been five years now. So okay. if I take those pills, I can't go to sleep. Let me ask you to speculate a little bit. And I don't know if you, you spent much time thinking about it or not, but what do you think their intentions were uh, with you and your family that night? Do you think they I were think going to grab you or they? At the moment I did at that moment. Yeah. yeah. I think that they were, uh, some young juveniles trying to, uh, you know, do what our juveniles do. Screw around. Let's mess with these people. Let's, uh, you know. Yanking uh, your chain. Because, uh, yeah, that's that's how I feel about it now. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Back then, I didn't. And 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 having that uh, aggressive male, that big dark one out there, uh, he was really aggressive, too. And, and uh, Mitchell Townsend had told me about that male. He had... When he was doing archaeology up there, he had dealt with that particular pod for, gosh, in 2016, that he'd already been dealing with them for nine years. And uh, the, the, the one thing I, I realized about Mitchell Towns is I don't follow him now. He went completely woo. But uh, <clears throat> at that time, he demonstrated to me what that pod sounds like. And I didn't tell him what they sound like. Mm -hmm. So that tells me he had been dealing with them. So he did know them. And that that male, that dark male had always been aggressive. Always. Uh, and that's why he packed up there. Now, let me, yeah. let me ask. He, he was aggressive by uh, howling, shaking trees, throwing rocks, stomping, uh, stomping. And that, that, that is very, very common with uh, some of the, some of the higher primates when they display, um, you know, and, and if there's any, anything I've learned in the years that I've been doing this and, um, and in the primate research I've done is that, and I always say this, there are exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, primates of one species rarely attack primates of the other. And what they'll do is they'll aggressively display. They'll show their displeasure but if you remain consistent and constant, they tend to move off. Uh, there's been people who have been bluff charged, allegedly bluff charged by a Sasquatch. That was us. Yeah. 
Um, but they never, they ne- they'll never make contact. It's kind of like the, the gorillas that will bluff charge you and they'll run past you. If you don't move, uh, their whole like That's they're, true they're, with most yeah. of the time with primates, though, Steve, but there are chimpanzees that hunt there, and kill and eat are, monkeys. <laughs> like I said, there are some exceptions. Yeah. 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 But, but here's the, here's the, my take on, on that mm. is if, Sasquatch looked at us as a food source as the chimpanzees look at those monkeys. Right. Yeah. There would be a lot more attacks and there would be generally a lot more coverage on, on those such yeah. attacks. Yeah. Now Probably we talk about the, the possible missing 411 stuff, and those are only alleged disappearances. Nobody's ever found necessarily a body that's been devoured by a Sasquatch or partly devoured by a Sasquatch. Um, we tend to keep tabs on our people. So, um, if somebody goes missing, generally <laughs> in the woods looking, in the woods looking. So, I, you know, that's I would take that as a bit of comfort. Uh, you know, that he was probably just trying to display you to get you to move along, and you moved along. So, guess what? He did his job. Um, well, Paul uh, Graves told me that he thinks that I earned their respect that night because I couldn't leave and that they don't know that I couldn't leave. I'm sure that most of the time when they do that kind of stuff, somebody will just run off or walk away or whatever. I didn't. I I always look at words like respect. Oh, you're in the respect. I I look at that as being what they call arthropocentral. And that's we're giving something else, a human characteristic. And we need to avoid I, I always look and try to avoid that type of thing is that we, we can't say for sure that you gain their respect. That's but true. What you, but what you did do is you stay, you stood your ground, not, not out of choice, but you stood your ground and they in turn did not attack or do anything. They understood that. But in a lot of times I think we're their entertainment. So they enjoy yeah. <laughs> getting around with their TV, you know, they, especially when you're, you're building a fire up big and bright. Now you're getting their attention. When you keep that lantern on in the tent, which you should, you're getting their attention. Now they have something to watch, but here's the thing. What, what I've learned is if that light was off and it was really quiet, that's when you start getting the interactions like, uh, like uh, John Moisinski, the biologist out in the Pacific Northwest who, was asleep in his tent and something pushed on his tent. Yeah, I know that story well. He's one of my favorite people in the world. So that's that's where you get. But by keeping a light on, you tend to keep most of that activity away. You may get a rock chucked at you, and I think a lot of times rock chucking um, can be, a especially if it's quiet and nothing is going on, but rock chucking is uh, more, more of a probe, I think, to see if there's some reaction. Um, happens a lot of times in camps where nothing is it's all quiet and there goes a rock now all of a sudden you start scurrying around okay there's people there i can't um you know whereas there's been camps uh i i know of a report i took uh on on the navajo res uh, of a camp that had been tossed um they weren't there but they came back to find their complete uh their camp tossed with tracks all around it in the snow um, and they were, they were actually Navajo sheep herders. They actually sent the ranger up to get their stuff and the ranger saw the tracks and the condition of the camp. Jeez. <laughs> so, 
Um, very, very interesting story there. But um, yeah, I, I I see a lot of interaction, and uh, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, somebody made a comment that when I had the rock throwing incident, you know, back in September, my my first inclination was to laugh about it. And I think he was trying to be a little bit intimidating at that time, but I, you know, it was like, what am I going to do? You know, I got to go past it anyway to get out of there. So I was like, I'm not going to be intimidated. And and that's one thing I try not to be. Um, But yeah, you were like, Steve, you were like, Oh, a rock there might be something out here you know <laughs> that's right that's right that's that's my train yeah or my train wreck of thought um but yeah i mean not not being out there to look for a sasquatch i can understand the the feelings the behaviors and a, a couple of things that you said that really struck a, a chord with me was the nervous laugh uh, i have taken encounter reports too uh, and one was from a guy who just came back from uh uh iraq and he'd been back maybe a month and him and his buddy had this sighting off the trail and their, their reaction was to run down the hill and laugh about it, but it really affected him. Yeah. And that, and that's just a body yeah. reaction. That's just how your nervous system handles that extreme fear. And uh, there's no doubt that in a lot of people, because it's, you know, uh, such an unknown, it, it elicits the fear, the, the, the fear response. Um just have some sort of emotional release. The, the other thing I, I, I want to make mention was you said you were, you know, laughing, but there was a lot of coughing. Yeah. And that, that, right. And that was as you were leaving the area and your adrenaline was starting to dwindle down. What happens is ep- epinephrine naturally releases when we have fear. So believe it or not, in an asthmatic patient, the drug of last resort to break the asthmatic attack is epinephrine. So what you were experiencing was that drawdown of that epinephrine in your system, which can cause you to cough. Because oh, now we were too. Yeah. Because what it does is it creates a histamine. To, and that's why what happens is when epinephrine dumps in the body, it makes you breathe easier. It makes you, you know, it, it sends all of that chemical, um, <coughs> sends uh, that, it tools up your system. But when it has to do with breathing, especially, it opens up your alveoli and your lungs to breathe the maximum capacity. Then when you have that dump, that's when you start getting that cough. Hmm. Very familiar to me. Very familiar. I Sometimes when I when I make an arrest that's kind of touchy and I got to wrestle them around a bit, uh, when I'm done with it, I have that cough and not the smoker's cough, but the cough because it's just the histamine's getting out of my system you know it was but probably now- probably three years before we tent camped again we camped in uh i had a uh we camped in a jeep we camped in a four uh a, a, a toyota forerunner um we camped in um i can't remember the little gold thing i had it was a uh, gold colored it was a Something that Mitsubishi made, we camped in that. Then we had a, a tent trailer, we camped in that. And uh, then we graduated back into tents. Because <laughs> I'm uh, I'm comfortable enough now to know that they're smarter than to... Uh, they start killing us, then there's going to be problems. I mean, I, I, honestly, I, I feel that. I think they're smart enough to know that. <clears throat> so I, uh, 
But I give uh, it's a whole different thing for me now when I'm in the woods. I'm very uh, my eyes are wide open and uh, my ears are trying to do the best they can for good hearing. And uh, <clears throat> I just uh, I try to just have fun. Now we don't even try. We just have fun, play music, and all that. I think that's important. Go out there and and uh, get your stuff out during the daytime. And then just use your camp as what you're supposed to use it for. Camp. Let your gadget, let your gadgets do the work, uh, off off in the forest and stuff. And it, they'll come to you. That's how they. That's what happened to us. They came to us. So agreed, ten thousand percent. Agreed, ten thousand. And go to the same place over and over and over and over. Uh, that's what we're, we we continually go on that five mile stretch, mostly to that camp. But if we can't get that one. We go up to as long as that ridge is there. And we did get with my buddy Grant, his daughter last year, 14 years old. She was whooping in her girl voice and getting whoops back immediately in the same style of voice, young voice. Uh, and uh, it was, of course, she couldn't sleep the rest of the night, kept her dad up all night. But, uh, yeah, she was interacting uh, from that ridge and down into this camp. And she was whooping and she'd get a whoop back immediately. So that's that was pretty cool. I, I don't know if I would feel comfortable uh, researching an area where I felt threatened in. You know, uh, you know, I've never felt threatened. I, I've been scared, uh, but that was just natural fear. Okay, uh, something not supposed to be there. There it is. Yeah, I'm scared but, as all. Uh, yeah, I'm not. But, I don't uh, feel threatened. But the girl, you know, once she got all that success, she was so excited. Then her imagination took control. <laughs> <laughs> she's a sweetheart boy <laughs> but yeah that was cool and then we had an adult voice <clears throat> whoop when me it was just me and grant up my wife was in bed and his girls mm -hmm. were in bed it was just me him and the german shepherd <clears throat> and uh a nice big whoop came out big adult male i would i would have to assume i wasn't there to uh you know i mean i didn't see what did it but it sounded like an adult male and uh, our dog's cackles went up, and she let out a couple barks. So, <clears throat> but poor Grant, his hearing is bad, so he didn't hear it. I did. I was like, "Holy cow!" That was a pretty good day as far as that goes. It's not as active as it was in 2016. You got a lot of so many more people have discovered that area up above Cougar, and it's, it's well, that's possible. that's what I call the COVID effect. Is that so many people since. COVID in the beginning of 2020 have taken to the forest because it's something to do. It's something you can isolate yourself with. And that's what people have done. I, I, I mentioned to Chris many a times that, that my primary research area, I went there in May of 2020 just for a day trip in the middle of the week. And the place was jam packed. Yep. So I was like, what are you going to do? We so set up a dummy tent. We always set up a dummy tent. I, I tell uh, Steve Curious Scripted that uh, Operation uh, Red Tent is 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 a go. That's for him and his wife to go ahead and head into that spot. Oh. I don't put the, the little red tent up. That's only a 15-minute drive for me and my wife to go up in, into this area. So, so, so you want to have some fun, hang a pork chop from that tent. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, But, yeah, that's a... Uh, uh, that's what we've had to do. We, there's one place that our grandson wanted to go back to. Uh, he, 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 we took him when he was three. So this summer he was like, can we go back to that place where me and Papa played with the rocks and the water and all that stuff, you know, mm -hmm. when he was three. So we headed out on Tuesday 
and to do the Operation Red Tent. And there was already somebody in there from, from Oregon with a uh, motorhome and actually put a fence up and everything. And this is a dispersed camping site. And they they had been there for two weeks. You can only stay two weeks. Uh, but I was just like, geez. I mean, it's, it's COVID. Uh, now, this year it wasn't like that. But last year, they all hunting. You, you, there were people hunting in cars, little yeah. cars, elk hunting. There was thousands of people in the forest, uh, and it was it was tough to get our spot for camping and all that. But not so much this year. But we do that Operation Red Tent all the time. We'll, we'll take up a little bit of of uh, dinner since it's so close. Set up a table and and uh, the dog will run around and play for that's that's her good exercise. And me and mom will sit and enjoy the evening and set up the tent and have some, usually chicken. If not, it'll be some kind of sandwich or something, but uh, then we pack it up, go home and, uh, you know, the truck, we go home and, uh, and uh, do our thing, go to work and come back the next, next day and, and got our camp set up sometimes two days later, got our camp ready to go. All we got to do is set up. You know what I'd like to do. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. You know what I'd like to do is, is if you, if you set that camp up, Put a trail camera in it. <laughs> Put a trail camera in case something at night decides to. Uh, they won't go near it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we do have a digital recorder. We've got one that's that's five years old. It's a twenty-two dollars at Walmart thing. It's yep. about you know. It's not. I want to upgrade. I want to get something like Tristan's got, <clears throat> but uh, it does pick up nicely. So I was thinking this year at Operation. Uh, red tent. We're gonna put just put it right in the middle of the tent inside. Sure. Zip it up and and because uh, uh, there was a cat up there and I didn't know that mountain lions can meow. I got that on. Uh, I got <laughs> that on. it was meowing. I was like, meow. that's not a cat though. That's not an owl. <laughs> and then my buddy tells me, oh, you didn't know mountain lions can make uh, about a hundred different noises and one of them is meowing. I was like, <laughs> they can purr too. Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier, Jay, about taking some uh, fruit. Uh, uh, well, I think it was pears and berries. Do you leave those out in the outskirts of your camp, or are you leaving them like, a, go, like a bait? Or there's a trail where the Bigfoot, or where the Bigfoot, where the where there was a nice. The night we got charged, there was a nice. <laughs> there was a nice juvenile track. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And uh, I have a feeling that's why we got bluff charged too. Was they don't mess around when their kids are around, you know? It's weird. It's they take care of them, I guess. That's uh, but, uh, yeah. I take them to that trail to the other side of a log, and I dump them out there for whatever wants them. Uh, right. And I don't take trash up there, you know, like uh, rotten fruit and those types of things. I pick uh, 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 pears. Uh, we had the local park, uh, uh, Spelii, not Spelii, that's where Grant lives. Uh, the local park just a uh, mile and a half from us. Uh, and it has uh, some ancient, uh, two different kinds of pears and, and about three or four different kinds of apples. I'll just pick a whole bunch of those and and uh, I'll take them up there and, and uh, drop them off. One lady, one year, she's like, uh, oh, did you say you wanted some apples? And I was like, yeah, I want to take them up for the Sasquatch. And she goes, well, whatever. But she, she, huh. She takes me to her place, and she's got this big box of Granny Smiths that fell off her tree full of yellow jackets. And I was like, I looked at her, and I was like, I can't take those up there to them. Oh, yeah. like, but she's looking at me like, well, you're an idiot. And I was like, well, jeez. 
So that, here's, yeah. here's an interesting thing that that uh, if you ever read uh, Chimps of the Mugabe by by Jane Goodall or Mugambi, excuse me, um, she habituated the chimpanzees using apples. But some of the things she noticed about the chimps and the apples were they took the rotting ones a bit more than they would the fresh ones. You can get drunk on rotten apples. Exactly, because they were fermenting. <laughs> and you can do the same with pears as well. Bears just, do that all the time. Bears will pick your trees uh, completely uh, with, I mean, literally strip you of your fruit when it's getting to the point of a lot of ladies like to leave the pears on until they're about to drop. And that makes better sauce and all that kind of stuff. All them bears will eat them, will eat every single thing and shit them out and still eat. I've, I've, I've yeah. literally dumped gallons and gallons of, uh, of apples out and come the next day and all the apples are gone. And there's like applesauce all over the ground with peels and all this before they <laughs> And my buddy Scott's the one who told me, he's like, well, they shit, they'll eat and just shit and keep eating and shitting and eating and shitting. I was like, yeah, but dude, don't those apples have to like, uh, like how, how the hell can you just digest them like that? But it was, there was applesauce peels with peels everywhere you looked. So that's, and that was three, five gallon buckets full and they were gone in a night. <clears throat> and, and just some food for thought. Uh, primates have two, ecstasy flavors where the flavors that appeal to primates and it's across the board with all primates. And that would include Sasquatch is sweet and salty. So that's why we love our candy bars. And that's why we love our salty potato chips. Humans uh, like Sriracha. <laughs> I don't know about that. You might get the, the Sriracha bottle chucked back at you. If you spread out. <laughs> what was that? Oh, that was a Sriracha bottle. We left out. <laughs> So, but uh, very, it makes sense that they would like the fermented stuff, though, because you know, well, uh, I, if you, I make wine out of everything. If you've ever read the uh, the Alaskan Bear Tales, <clears throat> they talk about they had to go out and uh, some work crews had to go out and uh, a train had uh, derailed full of corn, and the corn thousands of pounds of corn spilled out and had begun to ferment before they could get up there. And the grizzly bears were falling all over the hills and stuff. And <laughs> they were literally stone cold drunk off this corn. So that's in that book. I mean, you know, Alaskan bear tales. Sriracha is good stuff, rocket man. It's like, it's, Sriracha. it's the big oh. clock. It's got a big rooster on it. It's an oriental, uh, uh, Cocktail sauce, perhaps, or barbecue sauce. I use it for all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, a yeah, lot of people special. use it with seafood. Uh, if you're from Thailand, <laughs> you use it with seafood, but uh, we just use it with everything, man. It don't matter. Just put it on a barbecue, put it on hamburger, whatever you got. Good stuff. I barbecue chicken by just adding mustard with it uh, and uh, using it like that. All I did was add mustard and sriracha. Yeah. And uh, I made chicken. Yeah. Is barbecue sauce. That's good stuff right there. It's the big cock. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. And the funny thing is, is if anybody knows anything about sriracha, it's made by Hoi Fong Foods Incorporated. <laughs> now, the, now, the gentleman that named it Hoi Fong Foods 
because the boat he immigrated to the United States in was called Hoi Fong. Nice. So, a little bit of trivia there. Cool. Yeah, didn't know that. Very nice. <laughs> Oops. What is going on here? That was not. We're having a little bit of. Uh, Scam alert. Technical issues here. Um, Another one I like too, sweet chili sauce. If you guys haven't tried that, you should try that because it's spicy and it's also really sweet. Sweet chili sauce. It's good stuff. Yeah, so in case comes- people are, are wondering, I'm having a little issue with my photo viewer occasionally during shows. If you've noticed that's happened the last few shows, I don't know why. The funny thing is, is that picture came up it wasn't even loaded it automatically switched to that when i clicked that i don't know why or what but i'm gonna have to lose here. some weight and do a new picture i'm pretty porky in this one it's your leather <laughs> coat it's your leather coat yeah, yeah. the coat adds 40 pounds yeah <laughs> well anyway. you know, a lot of times a lot of times when you see those stocking hats like you've got on <clears throat> and when you watch like a there was an episode of uh, Finding Bigfoot at up at um, here in Washington State, the place where we've gone a billion times, even in the winter time. And they, according to the show, it was all this is a treacherous place to be, even in summer. Blah blah. People take their kids up there and stuff. People like <laughs> bikes up there. You yeah. know, it's just like this. So anyway, you got one little peak, and then on the other side, you have another little peak. It's covered in snow. <clears throat> Silver Star Mountain. Okay. It's Silver Star Mountain. So, well, we we already know that uh, Matt Moneymaker's a joke with the uh, best Sasquatch evidence tracks of 2020. Leon completely debunked that. Okanagan completely debunked that. He did. So here, here you watch this episode, and you got Brockman and all those guys. Oh, that's definitely a Squatch over there. You can see how the, the brow and all that. All these guys are, are dressed up. Like Chris there with backpacks. Okay. That's a man over there with us that's hiking. <laughs> Somebody takes a picture. Oh, yeah, that's definitely a squatch. And the reason why is I trust this guy. I don't care who you trust. You know, I mean, that, to me, that's it's. I'm just looking at that going, this is what you guys are uh, trying to sell us as evidence. And we're supposed to be following you and believing you and all yeah. that. And Cliff is so jaded that it's not he's not even worth talking to. He's a nice guy, but he's so jaded that uh, he literally walked away from me when I was telling him my story uh, here just a couple of months ago. I uh, I actually got along very well with Cliff. Oh, well, yeah. I like it's, Cliff. Not he, it's not that you can't get along with him. It's just he's mm-hmm. jaded. I'm trying to tell him what happened to us, and he just walked away. And he said, I got to take this call. It's from Bobo. But before that, he said, well, did you get any pictures? And I said, no. And he goes, well. He did this number to me. I thought to myself, nine years on a fucking show and you didn't get any pictures? Well, you know, I mean, I, that's that's what I say. He's jaded as hell. He just, he just doesn't want to hear stories and things like that. And I was, you know, trying to get, see if well, you he got, like, you got, you got to imagine, though, he probably gets tens, hundreds of stories of probably a week. Yeah. So, well, anyway, Jay, we are at that time where it's almost time to sign off the show. Yeah. So, we're not, we, we just don't. That's right. Know. Rapper's right. Rapper's right. Stories aren't evidence. Yep. I do have pictures, but I'm not, they're yeah. not, I, if I don't have something of good quality, I don't have pictures of the Bigfoot, but uh, 
Like I have the uh, the pictures of the a the tree they brought down. Uh, I have pictures of a, the, the the juvenile print that's that's. I had a Motorola five phone when I took that picture that day, and uh, of that print, and uh, it's it's just so hard to see. It's in, it's in the ash, and uh, with uh, you know uh, some sand mixed and all that other stuff with it. So, but yeah, it's hard as hell to. Uh, Literally get get as far as evidence goes. I can sympathize with you about trying to get a good picture of a print. I took a print. Uh, I took a picture of a juvenile print, which was the best one I could find. Same here. And sent it to Steve. In the print itself was, let's see, uh, a, a rabbit, rabbit uh, droppings, uh, a raccoon track, and I think a deer track. And deer droppings. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's hard to get a good print. You, you they really don't want to step where you want them to. Yeah, they never step where you want them to. That we should all know <laughs> that. And if you and, and generally they they go out of focus very easy if you try to take a picture. So <laughs> I think well, the anyway. things. Well, I think the things that uh, Shar's saying. I think that. The Sasquatch hating dogs is kind of a myth. I think if you've got a mean dog that's going to go after it, I think you may have some trouble. I think you may have a dead dog, but agree. I think that if, uh, I think they look that, like a wolf. Yeah, uh, and and I never even thought about the hound dog thing <clears throat> about their ears being like that. Regardless, I who knows they can see in the dark just like the dogs could. Uh, so yeah, they, yeah, they, just, they just don't look like the predatory type of dog, like a husky or a shepherd would, yeah. um, because they don't have that profile with the ears up. And think about it: you see a silhouette of a wolf, a husky, and a shepherd, and guess what? They all kind of have that same profile. Mm. Um, kind of like when the shark attacks the guy on the on the surfboard, because the board gives off a certain profile of one of their prey. So I think that's part of the reason why they're aggressive towards certain dogs, but not all all ones. In fact, a long time ago, I had read that they're not aggressive at all towards small yippie dogs. <laughs> they actually kind of just look at them with amusement is from what I understand from, from sighting reports. That, that well, I'm aggressive to small yippie dogs. <laughs> yeah. so. I want to kick any- those things right through the field goals. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, folks, uh, I want to thank Jay for coming on tonight. It was a great time talking, man. Le- learned a lot, and uh, man, some some great great uh, information. Uh, check out Jay's channel. The description will be in the comment uh, in the description below the video. So check out his channel. Subscribe, like, chat it up with him. Um, please do that. Um, Chris, your final thoughts on the evening. Uh-huh. Again, I want to thank Jay for being on. We appreciate it. Man, I'm about to get out here and get something to eat now. <laughs> but uh, Actually, uh, I do have to. <laughs> really fasc- fascinating stuff. Thanks again, Jay. And I want to well, I absolutely our- love it. If I can help, uh, if someone can learn from me, there's there's still more. You know, I just sometimes I forget to, to say it and everything, uh, yeah. you know, about the orb and things. I just I, – sometimes I just forget about it because I, I just uh, – Questions get asked and stuff, and then I just forget. So, uh, but you know, there's, uh, there's, it's been a great, uh, it's, it's been a great experience for me to grow through the different shows and, uh, you know, getting to 
I mean, it, getting the story and the message out there, I think, is an important thing. And I appreciate it every time <clears throat> I'm on or just paneling with somebody. That's always fun. I love paneling. Uh, you know, so I'm trying to watch my language now. And you know, all <laughs> that stuff, so. We're all about education, Jay. And we like uh, getting this information out. And, and I think uh, you, you've, you've put out some good information and some really interesting stuff tonight. Absolutely. Thanks again. And so, I want to thank, thank all our listeners over in the chat. And we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. If it's your first time watching us on YouTube, consider give us a like, a share, and a subscribe. B. Lynn is my sweetheart. You notice that? That's my girl right Oh, there. yeah. We love B. Yeah. <laughs> and, and folks, just so you know, next week we will have on Jody Cook. So Jody will be our guest next week. We haven't talked to Jody in a couple of years on the wow. channel, so it'll mm -hmm. be good catching up with him talking about the Ohio grassman and other uh, type of cryptids going on. So uh, folks on behalf of everybody here, um, happy new years. It's the last show of the year. So rather than doing a year in review show, we just figured we'd bring you some more stuff. And uh, folks, if you're bored, make sure you check out big Fort Bigfoot 24 seven which will be streaming this week on the channel live. Anytime, just click on an episode, catch up. We've selected six episodes uh, from the last year. Give it a listen, give it a watch, give it a thumbs up, give it a like, give it a share. And folks, on, again, on behalf of me, happy new years. Everybody have a great, healthy week. Stay safe. And of course, God bless and keep on squatching. Hey folks, you've been watching Squatch DTV. Join us each week, Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern for the latest on the Bigfoot mystery. As always, we thank you for being our loyal viewers and encourage all to subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Steve Culls. As always, have a great week. Stay safe. God bless and keep on squatching.